Thank you for joining us. You're tuned to UK Airshow Reviews Display Frequency. Running in for the show. Starting! Oh! Yes, hello again from Dan O'Hagan and welcome to UK Airshow Reviews second Display Frequency podcast. Thank you so much for your kind words and feedback on our first show. The response and sheer number of downloads rather took us by surprise in a good way. But we shan't rest on our laurels and hopefully today's show will prove just as popular. Remember, you can discuss all our content, see the very best aviation photography and much, much more on our forums at airshows.co.uk. And we're on Twitter, so follow us where we are at UK Airshow Review. So, what's coming up in today's show? Well, first, the big news story of the weekend of the airshow season so far. An expensive double-engine failure for Avro Vulcan XH558. Display Frequency has an exclusive interview with Dr. Robert Fleming to get the official word on what really happened on Monday and what it might mean for the Vulcan's short and long-term flying future. And if you like your V-bombers rather more crescent wing, there's a chat with the owner of Handley Page Victor, Lusty Lindy, Andre Tempest. Plus, we've no fewer than three competitions to enter and to look ahead to the first RAF air show of the year at Cosford on Sunday the 17th of June, as well as the return of the old Buckingham air show in Norfolk a week later. This, then, is a very full display frequency. We start today's show with Avro Vulcan XH558. It's almost five years since the Vulcan to the Sky Trust achieved their goal. During that time, her reliability has been extremely impressive, considering her age and complexity. On Monday the 28th of May 2012, she was due to make a routine crew currency flight from Doncaster Airport. But as takeoff power was applied, this happened. smoke, flame and at least one explosion. Takeoff was safely aborted but both the number one and number two engines had failed. With funding always at near critical and with the major air shows looming on the horizon this really couldn't have come at a worse time. Joining us now for a display frequency exclusive interview is Dr Robert Fleming, Chief Executive of the Vulcan to the Sky Trust. Robert, welcome. Sorry we're not speaking in uh, happier circumstances. It must have been a very tough few days for everyone connected with the Vulcan. Just run us through the events of Monday. Well, it's been a very difficult week, really. The aircraft was due to make a uh, training and display practice flight on Monday from Robin Hood. Um, and uh, everything started up as normal, apparently and the um, the engines were started normally taxied to the end of the runway and as the engines were spooled up for takeoff got to about 20 knots or so and there was uh, a violent surge in number one uh, followed by uh, the same in number two engines were throttled back the aircraft taxied back to her stand and an investigation started. Which crew members were on board at the time? Um, it was Martin Willers, uh, Phil O'Dell and Barry Mayfield. What have the uh, initial findings been so far? 
I can't tell you. Uh, we've got a formal investigation in place, and uh, that's uh, that's got to report uh, in its own time. Uh, it's led by the chairman of our safety review committee, who has a lot of experience of uh, investigating incidents. Um, but at this time, um, all we do know is that uh, there were some silicon silica gel uh, bags which were ingested and caused the initial problem. Is there any visible damage to the aircraft? I'm glad to say that the airframe itself is uh, damage-free. Uh, the damage to the engines was very severe. They are um, basically uh, beyond use. Uh, but the uh, damage was contained inside the engines and uh, the airframe to our uh, inspection that we've been able to make uh, so far is uh, is unharmed, thankfully. What contact have you had or will you be having with uh, Rolls-Royce? Oh, we're in constant contact with Rolls-Royce um, as part of the ongoing, uh, the continuing airworthiness support of the aircraft. Um, it's uh, it's part of the way that uh, we handle uh, the certification of the aircraft as fit to fly. And what's the current situation with uh, spare and new engines? How many do you have in stock? We have sufficient spare engines uh, that we can bring back uh, two more to fit in a replacement for the engines that have been damaged. Could the aircraft be flown with no remaining spare engines? Uh, an interesting point. Uh, we do have uh, other engines available, um, one of which is potentially airworthy. Uh, so at the moment, that is not a question which is worrying us. You alluded to the engines which were taken out a, a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, will both of those engines ever be at a state where they can be put back into the aircraft for flight? One of them, certainly. Uh, the other engine, uh, which uh, this is... Uh, the engine which displayed high debris count on the oil magnetic chip detectors. That um, is the subject, it's still the subject of an ongoing investigation as to whether or not it is recoverable. Uh, obviously, given the circumstances, we will look very carefully at uh, what needs to be done to that, that engine. Um, it's, uh, um, it's not necessarily um, uh, a, a closed um, situation. We are working with both Rolls-Royce and another engineering firm to see whether or not that particular engine is recoverable. In terms of funding, we know money's always uh, extremely tight. Is there money set aside for circumstances like this, a kind of slush fund, if you like? We've never been able to develop, uh, we've never been, had the ability to have a contingency fund uh, so the answer to that is, is no. Um, it has always been very much a hand-to-mouth existence. Before Monday, what was the financial situation like for 2012? Uh, looking fine. We have uh, raised sufficient money to reach the air show season. Of course, once we're at air shows, the uh, revenues do increase from our presence at air shows in displays and also very much on the ground. And we were confident that uh, this season uh, was um, was certainly uh, still is a very exciting season for us, it being the 60th anniversary of the aircraft. 
I imagine right now the Vulcan needs financial support more than ever. Just remind us how people can get involved and, and donate. Well, it's very kind of you. Indeed, we've been overwhelmed by the messages of support on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, via email. Um, everybody is uh, saying that, um, come what may, we should return the Vulcan to flight. Uh, so uh, from from the point of view of, of um, supporter reaction to what has happened, I, I've been absolutely amazed at how positive people have been. Uh, we continue to see, seek... Um, donations and um, invite people to buy our merchandise. Uh, there are a number of ways this can be done. Uh, our website is uh, the easiest for those on the internet, which as you probably know is welcometothesky.org. Uh, we also have um, a telephone number uh, which people can, can use. Uh, the, uh, the landline number is 014 the other number you can use is 0845-5046-558. That's 0845-5046-558. Of all the challenges you've faced and overcome since the return to flight five years ago, is this, you'd say, the biggest hurdle you've had to come up against? No, it's not. I, I, I can say that uh, uh, the circumstances in 2006 when we uh, ran out of money on the restoration uh, is probably up there as the primary um, uh, event that I remember most. Of course, the, going back even further, there was the refusal of the first lottery fund application. Um, there have been some moments. This, this one, though, um, has rocked us because it was so completely unexpected. Uh, these other ones that I described are uh, uh, ones that we saw coming. So what happens now? What's the process? What's the roadmap to get the aircraft from where it is now to being back on the display circuit? Uh, we have a an outline recovery plan which basically re revolves around a removal of the uh, current engines and uh, the current damaged engines and their replacement by our, our uh, spare units and then an air test. We think that we should be flying by the end of June. Um, we're hoping to bring that date forward, but that's our current uh, current best guess. It must have been a really rough week for everyone, not just at Doncaster, but at the trust offices too. What's the atmosphere like among the team at the moment? Well, initially, obviously, one of, of huge shock um, and... Uh, um, disappointment that this uh, should have happened in the first place but uh, we've um, we, we recognize the desire of all our supporters to return the aircraft to flight and that is why now what we're we're focusing on in parallel with the investigation of of, of what happened and why we're nearing of course the uh, the big shows waddington fairford it really couldn't have come at a, at a worse time for you could it uh no absolutely um the uh, you can never control events like this. Um, it's it's something that uh, we we just have to uh, work with. And the season had begun so well for you too, with the aircraft looking uh, so good in that brand new paint finish. She looks absolutely brilliant, and um, we're very proud of uh, the the way the aircraft looks in this uh, this sixtieth year of the Falcon. And uh, we will continue to do our best to take the aircraft uh, to everybody that we can in the UK. 
Well, I'm sure by speaking to us on this podcast today, you will have the ears of many of your supporters. What message would you send to them today about the road ahead for 558? Uh, very much that uh, we are working to return the aircraft uh, back to air displays as soon as we possibly can. If you are able, uh, then we do appreciate very much uh, your support in, in helping us do that, uh, primarily by uh, providing donations if you can. Um, we know that the aircraft is, is a very important part of our uh, British aviation heritage and we're doing our very best to make sure that uh, she's returned to flight as soon as possible. Robert, thank you. We uh, wish you every success and hope the Vulcan's back with us on the air display scene very, very soon. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dan. Remember, you can find out how you can donate to support the Vulcan at vulcantothesky.org. To debate what you've just heard, go to our forums at airshows.co.uk. You're tuned to UK Airshow Review's display frequency. There's lots more still to come. Sunday the 17th of June sees one of the fixtures in the British Airshow calendar, the Airshow at Cosford. Now, I'm delighted to say that on the line to speak to us about this year's show is Amanda Butcher. Amanda, hello and welcome to Display Frequency. Uh, how is this year's air show taking shape? It's looking really good, Dan. We've um, got an absolutely full programme. In fact, it's uh, just a little bit longer than usual. We've got so much that we've uh, had to extend it by a little bit at the end just to cram everything in. And in terms of the star performers, what can we uh, expect to see in the skies over Cosford this year? Well, there's the obvious stars, the people that uh, we always expect to see at the Cosford Air Show, such as the Battle of Britain Memorial Flight and, of course, the Red Arrows. But we've also got some um, some new things coming for the first time. We've got a royal demonstration from the Sea King. They're going to be working with the mountain rescue team to show the public exactly what happens uh, when they're when they're working out there together. And of course, another thing that people will be looking forward to is the blades. You know, well known that all ex Red Arrow pilots, and therefore we're expecting a fantastic display from them. I'm a real fan of the vintage jets, and I notice you've got the uh, classic flight Vampire and Meteor lined up for the show this year. Yeah, the vintage pair, as they used to be known. Yeah, well, they're coming back, and we're really looking forward to those. And we've also got the Great War team here as well, and uh, quite a lot of the things from the uh, Swordfish and the Sea Fury from the Royal Naval Historic Flight. So it's going to be a really mixed-up programme with a little bit of something for everybody, we hope. I think the Cosford show down the years has always been one which has focused more towards the family day out end of the market, hasn't it? That's right, and that's why, because we're very lucky and we actually can park on the airfield, so the public are really close to everything, and it still feels that little grass airfield aerodromey feel to it, because it's quite a compact site. And the flying doesn't start until just before lunch, and so the morning we're really focusing on entertainment for the family and we've got some new things this year we've got a brand new arena area so we're going to be uh, able to see the field gun doing their field gun displays we've got the RAF regiment band doing some marching there and lots of things happening really throughout the day well our members are very vocal about what they uh, want from an air show and I know with Cosford in the past maybe there's been some criticism that the ground instructional airframes the Jaguars and the Jet Provost and such like are almost locked away out of view and I know our members want to see more of them at the shows and I think 
The Jaguars this year certainly are set for an airing, aren't they? That's right. We've heard people over the past saying it's such a shame that we hide them away. So we've got two really special treats this year. We're bringing a, a couple of them out to put on the static area, including the very famous Jaguar Jaguar, the one with the uh, tiger markings, if you like. And uh, at mid-morning, probably about 10.30, we're going to get one of them out and do a taxi down the runway just so that the public can really get a feel for the power of the aircraft. And clearly you do take on board the comments people make on forums like ours about what they want to see at the air show. We do. We've been following all of the forums and this year we've really tried to respond to what people want and just bring a little bit of that to the show. And please tell your members, keep talking to us, we're listening. So the show's on Sunday the 17th of June. Uh, How are the advanced ticket sales going and how much will it cost people to pay on the gate to get in? Well, the ticket sales are going well. They're probably not going quite as well as last year, but we're putting that down to the fact that it's the Jubilee weekend coming up. So people are really concentrating on that at the moment. So next week, hopefully, when all the Jubilee stuff is over people will really start focusing on what they're going to be doing for the rest of june so we are selling advanced tickets and they're at 20 pound you can get them through the website or we've got a few local outlets like corporate stores and tourist information offices who are selling them but unless we get completely sold out we do anticipate that people will be able to buy tickets on the day it does cost a bit more it costs 25 pound on the day for adults uh, children under 16 come free let's hope the sun shines then I hope it's kind a little bit more than last year. As you probably know, we had a really wet year, so it's really our turn to have a fantastic sunny day. And the long-term Met, although I never really believed the Met, but the long-term Met is looking good for us. Amanda Butcher there from the Cosford Air Show, and she's very kindly given us two pairs of adult tickets to give away to two lucky display frequency listeners who can correctly answer the following question. What is the in-service RAF serial number of the so-called Spotty Jaguar? currently used for ground instruction at Cosford. Send your entries via the entry form at airshows.co.uk forward slash podcast by no later than midnight on Sunday the 10th of June 2012. You're listening to UK Airshow Reviews Display Frequency. Our next guest is Andre Tempest, owner and custodian of the Handley Page Victor XL231 Lusty Lindy, which resides at Elvington in Yorkshire. She's maintained in running and indeed near flying condition and has a loyal following and team of volunteers who work on her. Andre, welcome. First, tell us how a man becomes the owner of his own V-bomber. Well, basically, um, we put a tender into the Ministry of Defence in uh, October. Um, September of 1993, and that's how we acquired the aeroplane. The Victor's probably the uh, the most uh, striking of the V bombers, with its with its unique shape and uh, sort of 1930s um, spin off in in its styling. It's very very unique and quite a special aeroplane. Indeed, I was about to say there may be people listening today, perhaps overseas, who've never seen a, a Victor before. Just describe for us the unique shape the aeroplane has. Well, the Victor is unique in the fact that it's got um, um, a swept wing, which is not really a swept wing. It's a crescent sweep, which is an, which is extremely unusual, um, pioneered by, of course, by Handley Page, um, using some German research data that was captured at the end of the Second World War. Um, so it's a very aerodynamic aeroplane, um, an extremely um, fast aircraft at altitude. And your aircraft, XL231 Lusty Lindy, what sort of history does she have? Well, she was um, originally built as a B-2 uh, bomber aircraft, carrying the conventional um, £1,000 bombs. 
and then converted to carry the uh, blue steel standoff nuclear missile, which of course the Vulcan carried as well. Um, the, the aircraft then became the prototype for the K2 tanker conversion program. Um, so did a lot of trials work with the RF and um, the test pilots school at Boscombe Down. And then of course it was the aircraft that did all the trials with the Nimrod and Hercules in their um, air-to-air refueling capability trials. Quite quite unique aircraft and quite um, quite well known. Well here we are, the uh, weekend of the uh, Diamond Jubilee looming large, but I understand if we were to wind the clock back to a previous Royal Milestone, the Silver Jubilee in 1977, we'll find XL-231 playing a significant role. Yes, she was the aircraft that was selected to be the static display aeroplane at the Queen's Silver Jubilee at RF Finningley in 1977. She'd just come out of, um, out of, out of the trials programme at Boscombe Down and literally was more or less flown straight, um, straight from Boscombe Down to Finningley for, the, for that, that event. Yeah. Uh, people talk about the nuclear deterrent. What was the Victor's role in that? Um, the Victor's role was, was the same as the, uh, as the Vulcan. It was on uh, quick reaction alert um, and standby, re- ready to go to, to go to war. You know, they were, they were sat at the end of, end of runways at various dispersal airfields around the UK, ready to go at literally at a moment's notice. But the same as the rest of the V-Force. Yeah, and in terms of active service, what action did your aircraft see? Um, active service would be uh, obviously the Falklands campaign as, as a tanker, but not actually the Black Book missions, but uh, slightly after the Black Book missions. And then, of course, um, the Gulf War of 1990 and 91. So they, they, they were its, um, its, uh, its war history years. Well, this year marks the 30th anniversary of the Falklands conflict, and we all know that Vulcan XM607 with Martin Withers at the controls dropped the bomb on the runway at Port Stanley, but often overlooked is the role the uh, Victors played that night as tankers, uh, 11 of them. They did, they did indeed, not all Victors came out twos. Okay, now the present day, just tell us about your aircraft now and what condition she's in at Elvington. Well, the aircraft is, is fully operational, um, it's fully fitted out, um, everything in the aircraft is serviceable. Obviously, it's not certified for flight, but it is serviceable. And whenever possible, we do run her on the runway at Elvington, um, which is unfortunately a very expensive occupation these days, so it's, it's not, not that often, unfortunately. Um, but the aircraft is, uh, is capable of doing everything that it was ever designed to do. And uh, it does um, thrill, thrill the, the audiences when, when we do run it. Well, I'm sure more goes into a taxi run than just turning up, turning the key and, as they say, kicking the tyres and lighting the fire. So just run us through what would happen on uh, a day of a taxi run. Well, a, a, a typical taxi run is, is done as, uh, as the Air Force would do it. It's, uh, it's, the aircraft is fully, fully checked before the run. Things like the hydraulics are checked, the brakes are checked, the electrics are checked, the flight controls, external, external lighting, radios, every single component of the aircraft is checked as if it would be going flying. Um, when the, it's, it's capable of doing speeds of up to comfortably 130 knots on the runway at Elvington because it's a very long runway and um, using the braking parachute ensures you can, you can go to those speeds. But it's, uh, it's quite a complex task and uh, it's sort of working towards it all the time really because the aircraft is constantly maintained, it's maintained every weekend by, by the team. You mentioned the team there. What kind of people do you have working with you on the Victor? Um, most of the guys are uh, uh, ex-RAF or some are actually still in the Air Force. 
and there's several that uh, haven't been in the Air Force, but they're all extremely capable and uh, talented guys, and we do work together very, very well as a team. And uh, we're quite fortunate in that respect. There's no politics on the team. Everybody gets on very well. Well, I suppose, like all things these days, uh, money must be quite tight at times. What are the main challenges you face when trying to maintain a Cold War bomber in running condition in 2012? Um, it's, it's dedication, really. Um, the, the team that are behind the aeroplane are the team that obviously keep it going. And uh, it's, it's their time and effort that, um, that, 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 that ensures it happens. Um, these things do take a lot of maintenance. They're extremely labour-intensive. And uh, you do find that you're doing repetitive tasks time and time again. And, uh, t- you know, it, it, it can get a bit tiring sometimes, but uh, the, the end results are worth it. And it is such a unique aircraft now. There are only two live victors left. So uh, it is a bit of a responsibility as well. We spoke to the guys who operate the Vampire down at North Weald in our first show, and they were saying uh, that spare parts as the years go on are quite hard to come by. How do you uh, approach that challenge? Um, spare parts are a little bit of a problem. Consumable parts are, are the worst ones. There's things like tyres and brake units and things like that. Um, and obviously there are internet auction sites which, <laughs> which Victor parts still turn up on uh, occasionally. We've been lucky um, over the years to be able to work with the, the Vulcan to the Sky Trust. Um, we've helped them over the years with parts of the Vulcan and they've helped us with bits and pieces as well. So we, we do quite well. Yeah, with that lack of spare parts these days and in the future, uh, how much longer do you think you can keep her uh, in the condition she's in now? Um, as long as possible. We're, uh, we're doing what we can. Um, and it's a very limited budget, so limited you wouldn't believe it. Um, but just present, we're just starting um, a repaint of the aircraft, which is the, its third repaint in, in, in my ownership. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we're, still, we're, still, we're still at it. We're still dedicated to the cause. In terms of funding, are you on the lookout for corporate sponsorship, or can members of the public maybe uh, make contributions and donations to the Victor's running costs? Um, yes, we, uh, obviously we, we'd love to hear from anybody who might be interested in, in helping us. Um, it would be rather nice if they could. But so far, we've not really had any uh, any outside support at all um, over the years. It's it's mainly um, come out of our own pockets. Okay, and in terms of 2012, what's in store for the aircraft over the next few months? Um, well, obviously, we're just starting um, a major repaint of the aeroplane, so it'll look a little, little scruffy for a while. Um, but we're just we're just working through one one thing at a time, and you know you, you can't predict what's going to happen next week. So we don't we don't predict anything. We just keep going. He's still enjoying being the owner. Oh, very much so. Very much so. It's um, it, it's, a, it's a privilege. A real labour of love? Yes, yeah, labour of love, definitely. And finally, Andre, you're sharing today's show with uh, the Vulcan to the Sky Trust. It's been a very difficult week for them, I'm sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on how they must be feeling after what's been a, a dreadful week for them? Yeah, it's, it's extremely sad because we, uh, we know quite a number of the guys on the team. So Martin Withers, the captain, is yeah. actually a personal friend, so... Uh, it is very, very sad. I just hope that they get uh, they get get it sorted. Andre Tempest there, the owner of Handy Page Victor XL231 Lusty Lindy up at the Yorkshire Air Museum at Elvington. You can find their website, by the way, at victorxl231.blogspot.co.uk. You're listening to Display Frequency.
Now, back on the airshow calendar is an event in Nelsons County, Norfolk. Old Buckingham's airshow this year is on Sunday the 24th of June, with the show revived after a period of hiatus. With us now on display frequency is the organiser, Matt Wilkins. Matt, hello and welcome. Old Buckingham's one of my favourite airshow venues, but for those who've not been, uh, just tell us where you are and a bit about the airfield's history. Well, hi, Dan. Yeah, um, well, Old Buckingham is about 12 miles south of Norwich. It's, well, let's not be modest about it. It's uh, Norfolk's best airfield by a mile. Um, and so, uh, yeah, 12 miles south of Norwich and uh, very, very close to the A11, which is the, the sort of main Norwich-London road. Um, started off in 1942 as the um, home of the U.S. Army Air Force um, 453rd Bombardment Group, initially under the um, guidance of Hollywood legend Jimmy Stewart, um, with Walter Matthau serving under him. So um, quite an auspicious start, one of the lowest um, casualty rates in the war and one of the highest success rates as well. Um, home to B-24 Liberators at the time. Yes, and now, of course, a, a very popular and thriving general aviation airfield. The air show this year, Matt, is on June the 24th. Uh, give us um, some insight into what we can expect to see at the show this year. Well, if you've been before, as you mentioned as one of your favourites, um, uh, uh, quite a few people may not know, the airfield's actually been under completely new management since last August. It was um, uh, not in the greatest of health, fiscally and otherwise, um, it now is again. It's, uh, it's doing very well. So we're able to put the air show back on. There wasn't one last year. Um, if you've been before, you probably won't recognize anything. Um, we're using over four times the display areas that we've had before. Um, where you have a selection of trade stands, you'll now find 70 of the things. Where you found a bouncy castle, you now have an acre of fairground. Um, and uh, 150 military vehicles and uh, 400 classic cars in the main display area and probably the same again in the car park. We, we were filled up for classic car entrance in the main display area in January. Um, so all that's uh, pretty astonishing by comparison with previous years and it's not so bad in the air as well. Yeah, and in the air, Matt, I see you've managed to secure the OFMC pair, the Mustang Ferocious Frankie and Spitfire MH434, which at a smaller venue like Old Buckingham really will, I think, steal the show. Well, you know, it's it's my first um, air show uh, as airfield manager and organiser, and, you know, I thought, oh, what, what should we do here? Should we just see, you know, what we can get along, or should we just plop straight for the, uh, the most famous aircraft in the world? So um, we did that. I've been a fan of theirs for years. I'm a member of the Goodwood Aero Club, been going to the Good Revival for as long as it's been running. And quite frankly, the stars of the Revival are always um, MH434 and Ferocious Frankie. So it was uh, a great joy that um, I was able to do the deal with Alistair Kay and Bull Bonhomme at um, the OFMC and get them booked in. So that's going to be great. Um, and we've also got World War One dogfighting between the Fokker and Sopwith triplanes, which I've never seen before, um, so I booked those because I wanted to see it, really. They are um, great, by the way. Are they good? Well, that's that's a relief, because if you tell me it was dull, then I would uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd be worried. Um, so we've got them, we've got uh, the AN2 as well, they're always popular. I mean, you know, 1,000 horsepower that sounds that loud and can fly backwards, what more could you want? Um, and if that's not your bank, the Jet Provost, we've got Dan Arlett, a Tornado GR4 instructor, who'll be doing some fairly stunning aerobatics in that. 
But closer to home, we've also got Wildcat Aerobatics. Um, if you haven't heard of them yet, Google them, because you will be doing so on the air show circuit soon. Willie Crookshank, form, well, one of the last commanders of RAF Coltishaw, home to the Jaguars. He's also he's got a rather decent claim to fame in that he blew up the wrong Scottish island once. Um, and uh, he's joined by Al Coots, who um, does various things, including breed rare cattle. So what better combination can you have? Uh, both of them in pits. Uh, S2s and both absolutely stunning. Uh, David Jenkins, GBR Advanced Aerobatic Team member um, in his edge. Uh, expect that to be fairly staggering as well. Um, Trevor Beadle in an extra 300. Um, a lot of people will recognise the plane if not the name. Um, a real spread of uh, items there, Matt. A, a good mix, which brings me to my next question, which is when, I don't know, in December or January you begin to think about the show and you have that blank piece of paper in front of you, how do you decide what you want, what kind of mix you want to fill that display programme with? Well, it's, uh, you, you, look, you look around, there's obviously a, a whole plethora of uh, air show reviews and websites which makes the job a lot easier these days. Um, I think the key thing, first of all, is you need to have a, a flying display director of huge kudos um, and we, we're very lucky we've had Tom Eels um, step up to the plate as he has done previously for the airfield so that that's a, a major plus because obviously it's a very small world display flying um, so you know it's it, starting around there with the, the clean sheet of paper the first thing I think you want to do is to get as much of a range as possible you can't make everyone happy all the time but nor could you have an air show that was exclusive extras and edges and things like that. Um, flip that round. You can't just have lots of, spir- uh, of hurricanes and spitfires and things like that as well. You know, you need to cater for everybody. Um, and um, it's, you know, just a case really of seeing who's available, you know, who's flying. It seems to vary around quite a lot. Um, and, and try and put on the best show times in the best way possible. And then can try and deal with the BBMF and get the timing right um, with them. Show day's June the 24th, isn't it? Um, for people who've maybe heard this and want to go, uh, can they pay on the gate? How much will it cost them? And uh, how are the advance sales going for you so far? Uh, well, I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll answer those questions in reverse. How sales are going so far? We have three times the number of advance ticket sales of previous uh, runnings of the air show. Um, we've, we've sold enormous amounts online. Since I've been on the phone to you, my phone has beeped five times to tell me more money arriving in our PayPal account. Um, but if you're buying online in advance, it's only £20 for a car. Um, it says online for four people, but if there's six of you, well, we're not that bothered, you know. It's per car. Um, <clears throat> on the gate, however, it would be £25. So buy them in advance now. Uh, if you're flying in, it is very strictly PPR. We have got some slots left available, and uh, the plane and its contents get in for £30, which is, again, pretty good value, we think. Um, at the end of the day, there is a recession on, so whilst it would be lovely and we could have shiny new everything if we could charge the prices of some other places, um, we'd actually rather put on a good show and have uh, a sell-out, basically. And that looks like what we're on, the, um, on track to do. Matt, thank you. We wish you every success with the returning and very much enlarged Old Buckingham Air Show this year. If anyone wants to find out any more, just Google Old Buckingham Air Show. Yes, the show's website is at oldbuckinghamairshow.co.uk and the spelling of Buckingham is B-U-C-K-E-N-H-A-M.
Well, you've still time to enter our competitions from our first show. First, we've got one copy of Peregrine Bush's superb UK Military Airfields book, a collection of maps perfect for the aviation photographer and enthusiast. For more information on the prize, visit pb-photos.com. To begin with a chance of winning, answer the following three questions correctly via the entry form at airshows.co.uk forward slash podcast. Question number one, in which English county was RAF Coltishall? Question number two, which Suffolk airfield became synonymous with the English electric lightning? And question three, from which airfield did 617 Squadron launch the Dam Busters raid in 1943? The closing date is midnight on the 18th of June 2012. And that's also when entry closes for our second giveaway from episode one for a family ticket for up to two adults and two children to one of the two show days at the Duxford Air Show on Saturday the 8th and Sunday the 9th of September 2012. To enter this one, again answer the following three questions correctly using the entry form at airshows.co.uk forward slash podcast. Question number one. Which overseas display team made their UK mainland debut at Duxford's Jubilee Air Show in 2012? Question 2. Which of the following warbirds is not based at Duxford? P-47 Thunderbolt Snafu, P-51 Mustang Janie, and B-17 Flying Fortress Sally B. Question number 3. By what name were the large formations of fighters led by Douglas Bader from Duxford in World War II known? The best of luck with those, and that's all we have time for in this uh, second show. Our thanks to all who took part today, especially our friends at the Vulcan to the Sky Trust for joining us at a difficult time. Our best wishes to them, and our thanks to you for downloading and listening. The next podcast will hopefully be along in a few weeks, focusing on both Riyadh and Farnborough as the airshow season continues. From myself, Dan O'Hagan, it's goodbye. <laughs>